For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Uh, we're here today to have our first of the concerns episode for this uh, uh, season, and we do that every year between the uh, roster announcements and the start of the regular seasons. You usually have some good ideas on us. Joining us today is Jake Vogel. He's at Real Jake Vogel on Twitter and uh, very active there. Jake, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Ken. No complaints. How are you? Uh, no complaints either. Just had a great Oriole win today. Second consecutive shutout against the Guardians, a good team. And, and uh, Gunnar Henderson has uh, just played his second game. That'll get everybody, in terms of when we're recording this, you're, you understand what our concerns are, just in case the Orioles have a signing or the Ravens have a signing, I should say. Uh, here to talk about the wide receiver position. I think that my concerns were even greater before this final preseason mm-hmm. game and the performance of Demarcus Robinson. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, so, yeah, this this wide receiver group is something that Baltimore fans talk about every single year. Um, <laughs> and, and I don't know if it's going to go away, um, at least for some of the fan base. Even if it's a minority, it's a loud minority of fans that are, you know, clamoring for another player that could step up in case Rashad Bateman, who we all expect to be wide receiver one, if he possibly goes down with an injury, um, the the primary concern is just um, injuries to the the main threats, and then the rest of the guys are rather unproven to this point. Mm-hmm. 
So, uh, you know, going through the roster right now, and, and this is, it's strange how quickly your expectations of players can change. Bateman is clearly the number one in an X receiver. Uh, I think we'll probably see a lot of Demarcus Robinson at the Z spot now based on, on what we've seen. So lining up off the line of scrimmage at the flanker spot, usually on the same side as the inline tight end. Uh, James Prochet, I would expect to be primarily a slot receiver. Uh, Tylen Wallace is, is probably the backup X. I don't expect we'll probably see as much of him as we maybe would have thought before the arrival of uh, Robinson, but we'll see about that. And then Devin Duvernay, kind of a gadget guy still, uh, certainly a speed uh, a speed factor, but I, where he would play, I guess he's primarily a Z receiver who comes in motion. We've seen a lot of jet motion from over the years. Still been a guy who never really got his route running together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I actually wondered what you saw because I know um, you went out to camp a, a good amount this year. Um, oh, you didn't? Okay. Uh, I know Kyle Barber has done some um, some mm-hmm. podcasts with you, and you know he he fills us in a little bit. But based on everything I know from practices, Devin Duvernay has progressed a little bit during camp. Obviously, hampered by injuries, but. Um, I think we're going to see some more connection down the field with him than what we have seen to this point. And that's not saying much, but I think that that could go to alleviate some of the concerns. And I know this is a concerns pod, but um, I feel more confident in Duvernay than what he's given us so far as pretty much a gadget guy. Right. I guess my biggest concern about the Ravens was lacking a really second guy who had top of the route wiggle, and this that's something you know Bateman was really drafted for. Certainly, uh, even more than speed, I think wiggle at the top of the route was was what he gave people, making uh, players make a misstep. And then we saw Demarcus Robinson play that game, and I know they were backup corners, but he not only I think waited to see what those missteps were at the top of the route, he exploited them in ways we haven't seen Ravens receivers do in many years. Uh, Tory Smith, you know, you go, you have to go back a long time to a guy who who could do things at the top of the route like that. And Lamar is a quarterback who will create longer route times, and so Robinson is a guy who has a has a good chance to use his uh, qualities there to exploit the defenses. Yeah, I agree one hundred percent. I think some things you see from him are similar to that of Marquez Valdez Scantling, um, former Packers wide receiver, a guy that's going to probably have a a very large um, depth of target on on a per play basis um, and Mm -hmm. maybe become this big play receiver that the Ravens can utilize in spots. I I don't think he's going to be this um, volume, uh, big time volume receiver, but I I could definitely see him impacting games um, similar to you know, guys like Jacoby Jones in the past, um, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe something a little bit higher quality than that, but, uh, that would, that would be pretty great to add to this offense. Yeah, that's, that's, I think that's a good thing. I mean, the, the primary thing I saw from him, he made, first of all, he, he adjusted the ball. Well, seems to like to catch the ball over that right shoulder. I hope he can do that over the left shoulder as well, you know, playing on the Mm -hmm. other side of the field. But, but I liked uh, uh, what he did there. I, I really liked uh, being able to burn the defensive back the way he does because what's that's going to force? I mean, after the other teams see film of that, just starting with the Jets, they're not going to be able to just put one cornerback on him. They're going to have to really shade a, a safety to that side. The, the safety is going to get peeled a lot of the times. And that's one of the real questions about this offense was, 
without a lot of speed. And, mm-hmm. you know, DuVernay is, is, was their best speed guy. Did they really have anybody who could peel the top off the defense and create room for those two tight ends? Because those tight ends are going to dominate between level two and level three, I would expect, and uh, can be on the field together at the same time. And and you know what? Uh, Bateman is another guy that can dominate between level two and level three and also run you a number of other routes uh, to get open. Uh, but they, they lack the speed guy. They really lack the one who's going to take two defenders over the top and uh, and they, they may have him right now. Yeah, it definitely looks looks like it. Um, I it's amazing that we went from Isaiah likely with <laughs> you know pretty much the best preseason game we've ever seen from a receiving threat in Baltimore mm-hmm. to then Demarcus Robinson almost topping it. You know, if if you want to talk about a a yardage per play basis, it's it's pretty crazy for him. And uh, the refs, I don't know if they got it wrong, but that second touchdown. There have been Looks photos like from the, you know, the photographer. I'm trying to remember his name. I think it's Sean something. Anyways, um, he has photos of the first foot down, catching the ball, and then getting the second foot. So possibly could have been two touchdowns in that game. Yeah, it's, the ball didn't move much when he caught it. So right. if you give him control as soon as the as soon as the ball touched his hands, and he's probably got it. Adjustment to the ball was terrific on those plays. The the uh, the two long balls. It was it was on the on the even on the one that did, he didn't get credited for being in, but on the other two, uh, the first one was slightly overthrown, and he made it look like an easy catch. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking back to the game. Torrey Smith caught the game winning touchdown against Pittsburgh. Yep. About three plays before that, he was slightly overthrown on the left side of the end zone, and it was just that kind of play where the ball was just kind of off his fingertips. And, and Collinsworth said, it's not an easy catch. It's a catch that's got to be made kind of thing. And and that was, uh, that was I thought, what we saw from on the first ball. And then the second ball, he adjusted back, and you saw the, the fact it was slightly underthrown. And, and that's okay because by creating all the separation he did – he effectively increases the size of the bucket that quarterback needs to drop the ball into just dramatically. So uh, it, it, just the notion of having a receiver that can really get separation there. When we've had guys who had the speed to do it, and Boykin also is another guy, and, and, and Duvernay, that really have not been able to lose the, the DB as easily, um, I'm just very excited about yeah, it. Yeah, uh, I think that could be huge. And while that does alleviate some concerns for having a deep threat, somebody that can move the safety um, out of that second level and into the third. Um, I I think the biggest concern for most fans is still going to be that depth behind Bateman because what happens, Mm -hmm. I mean, this this is really true for about any team. So it's not the best argument, but what happens when your top receiver goes down or your second best receiving threat in our case, um, it's not great for the offense. <laughs> I mean, I can tell you that, and that that's pretty simple. But um, who who would step up in that case? Uh, I really think Demarcus Robinson, Devin Duvernay, James Prochet would have to really shoulder the load with uh, the tight ends at that point. But um, it would not be a comfortable situation, and that's kind of where we are. Yeah, I, mean, I, I was looking at that and saying, let's. It should be an improved offensive line this year, but the but the Ronnie Stanley situation now has me worried. He's the biggest domino on this offense, and if assuming the line is okay, there's going to be more time for Lamar, given his natural craft uh, ability to run the the uh, RPO schemes and the read options that he does. That you know, there, there should be some more time. Also, the other thing that that really he and he and Stanley have a great facility with together is Stanley giving ground slowly in the pocket. And I'm really talking about now 
the first half of 2020 is mm-hmm. the last time that occurred. So it's been a while. Um, but Villanueva just gave up pressures too quickly um, and also too regularly on that left side to, to be trusted. So uh, Stanley and his ability to kind of give up pressures slowly between two and a half and three seconds was good. Uh, and, and, and Lamar is seamless in terms of escaping the pocket right or forward under those circumstances in terms of, uh, uh, of getting that kind of slow pressure. Needs some more room in the pocket just generally on both sides at tackle. That was sorely missing last year, mm. and hopefully they'll, uh, uh, they'll be better at that. But th- th- how this relates back to the wide receivers is um, Lamar really needs the ability to extend plays, both to create scrambles and to create good opportunities for those receivers. I think we've seen really good things already from Likely, from Andrews, to a lesser extent from Bateman last year in, in some playing time in terms of their ability to uh, get to a great spot on the field when a play is being extended. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And to touch on Bateman, uh, last year was not phenomenal for him. Um, and, of course, he was coming off the injury. He missed the first five weeks of the season, and that affected his explosiveness in a big way. Um, you go back to his tape at Minnesota, and you can see this you know, kind of powerful, true X wide receiver that moved around the formation um, definitely his final year there. He played a lot of slot. Um, but I just think he gives you a lot more in terms of yards per reception, yards per target than what we were getting last year. And a lot of that relates back to the offensive line as you were hitting on. If there's yeah. better protection, Bateman can get open further down the field, thus creating um, you know more yards, uh, <laughs> yards per reception and yards per target. And I think yeah. prior to Isaiah Likely, Bateman was the best uh, yak receiver on the team. And I think Andrews has that to his game. He's kind of mm-hmm. developed more of a physicality to his um, yards after the catch, run after catch. But Isaiah likely coming out of Coastal, you could see also had that ability in spades where he would just catch the ball, juke a guy out of his shoes, and then hurdle a defender all in the same play. And you're seeing that at the NFL level, albeit the preseason. So I am excited for those guys. Yeah, I, I completely want to go back to your comment that you made about the yards per target being way down. And I mean, the Hollywood Brown was the most mm. affected by it, but Andrews also didn't have a great year. Uh, I, know, I know everybody looks at the 1,200 yards and says, great. I mean, the ball was forced to him yeah. very regularly. And the truth of the matter was the passer rating throwing name was only 93. That's largely a function of the nine interceptions thrown mm-hmm. when he was targeted. That needs to change. And it, the only way it changes is, is if there are other guys open on the field, other guys to throw the ball to, because he's he and Lamar clearly have the hive mind together of being able to figure out where where he's going after the play is broken down, which has been very valuable to the Ravens. But there need to be other options. There need to be other guys who can also do that. And then after Lamar got hurt last year, there was further degradation when uh, Huntley was in there, really did not have good pocket awareness. You couple that from with a very bad tackle situation. And the, the Roman had to scheme the ball out very quickly. It's, I call it scheming pocket awareness for the quarterback. So you don't have a, a quarterback with pocket awareness. You need to get the ball out of his hands very quickly. And that meant, you know, Brown was reduced to a five yard per target receiver for a, for a substantial component of the season. And we can't have that again either. This this offense to run at its high octane level of 
let's just say the average of 2019 and 2020, not 2019 mm-hmm. alone, because they'll never reach that level again, I don't think. The if if just to run at that average level um, needs to uh, uh, have extended plays be a part of their offense. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. Um, you know, it it was really difficult seeing the offense change. In, in some ways, people really came to appreciate what Tyler Huntley was able to do and how Roman uh, changed the play calling. And it was very dink and dunk um, and precise mm-hmm. and higher completion percentage. But at the same time not having Lamar out there meant that plays weren't being extended in the same way. And Lamar's just a different guy completely. Uh, you can see the the effect that he has in the game, and it's still not truly appreciated um, by a ton of people. So having a better offensive line play and having Lamar in there healthy, you know, knock on wood, is is going to do wonders for not only this offense to regress, you know, in a positive direction, um, but also, uh, you know, help the wide receivers perform at a, a higher efficiency. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And, and, and they should have options on both of those. Obviously, I, I don't think it was completely healthy for, you know, two years in there to have uh, Miles Boykin taking a lot of the snaps, even though he's an extremely efficient run blocker, was certainly helping the team in that way. I think, you know, I, I can agree that he, he was certainly hurting the team in some other ways in terms of the receiving, what was that was doing in terms of freeing the tight ends and, and creating space for them. So hopefully they're, they're, they have found the magic formula. And I think by seeing what uh, Robinson has done in this brief trial of one end of one preseason game, it gives a lot of hope, but there, but there also maybe is hope that if the Ravens have to go to the street again for a free agent wide receiver or at the trade deadline, need to pick someone up, or uh, they at least maybe know for the stylistic needs that are really going to help them in a speed receiver. And I, I, I do think those guys are out there, maybe not the the same kind of wiggle at the top of the route, but speed guys who can who can put one move on a defensive back well. Uh, I think those guys do exist out there in the open market. Yeah, I agree 100%. The first name that comes to mind is Will Fuller. He's still unsigned, mm-hmm. um, so you don't have to worry about anything like giving up draft capital for a guy like that. And, you know, he's also similar to Sammy Watkins. You can't rely on him for a full season. So you would you mm-hmm. would bring him in halfway through the season and hope to get a chunk of games from him. And if that means – you know, winning three games out of four because of, you know, the efforts that he has, that's, that's great. Um, and, and it would be worth it at that, at that point. But um, hopefully the Ravens already have what they need. I do not expect them to make any wide receiver moves before week one. Uh, but I definitely could see something by the deadline. Uh, an, another player that's not really what we're talking about, Tyler Lockett. If the Ravens were going to go after a high caliber number two wide receiver, he is the number one guy on my list because he's playing for a Seattle team that should be pretty bad this year. He's an older player, not terribly old, but, you know, he's a vet and he would provide enough to the receiving game that people would be comfortable um, if there were an injury to one of the top playmakers. Okay, so Tyler Lockett is is signed for quite some time now, but the Seahawks would have to eat his his prorated bonus. So for 2022, his salary is only three million with prorated bonus of seven point five. 
and a $10.5 million cap number, which doesn't affect the Ravens. But the next years, uh, he has 9.7, 15.3, and 15.3 still on that contract. Uh, he better know he's not getting a new contract if he comes to Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. That, that would be uh, and, and that would be still quite an investment with Lamar's contract coming up to, to eat that. I, I'm not, that's quality. You're certainly getting mm-hmm. quality in there. I think you're probably doing more to replace Prochet right. if you did that than, than anybody else. So Lockett's going to play a substantial number of slots in, this, in, this, in the slot, I would think. I, I agree 100%. So let's go. One guy we haven't talked about at all, and it has certainly been somebody I think he's he's probably more disappointed than 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 been good so far for the Ravens is, is Tylen Wallace. Uh, obviously, his rookie year did have a fine special teams year, which is always nice, and um, it's also a curse. You know, mm-hmm. it's a double edged sword. You're near the fifth receiver, uh, and you're a uh, uh, you're already perceived as a good special teams guy. And now you're thinking Chris Moore or whatever. And, you know, Chris Moore did some things for the Ravens as a receiver. He caught 19 out of 25 balls one year. Uh, but so far, we haven't really seen that from Tylen Wallace. Yeah, he's a guy that I really liked coming out of college. Um, similar to other people, I thought he had second round talent. And we got him in the fourth round. And part of that was probably because of his ACL injury or injuries. And then also his twin brother not being able to play football anymore who had a similar injury. So that stuff probably dropped his stock. And since then, um, you know, he had the good year with special teams, made a couple catches near the end of the Mm -hmm. season and and looked like, you know, he was a guy that uh, plays hard, you know, fights through contact, tries to move the chains. uh, And he really needed to have a big preseason uh, unfortunately he hasn't. And, uh, that's kind of where we are with him. The, the, the optimism has certainly dimmed for Tylen Wallace and, and hopefully he can turn it around. He's only a year two player and I believe he has a lot of promise. It's just, he didn't show it, uh, this, this preseason or, or this training camp really. Well, his, uh, his chance to do so probably got reduced because I think he, he came into this rec- this camp as the number four receiver mm-hmm. on this team. Uh, had a good chance to get significant playing time uh, doing that. You, you know, obviously for starters, Bateman's not going to play every play, so you need to back up X, and he's probably it. And you know, had some other characteristics as a run blocker that have been occasionally cited in the past. He hasn't played a lot of offensive snaps; only eighty four last year. But he could be a guy who uh, you know, would come in and at least take some time, and, and as the four receiver, he'd get some receptions. Now he's clearly the number five receiver with the addition of Robinson. And, and to me, that means a couple of things. One is some deactivations when necessary, but because he's a key special teams player, he will probably be active most games. And that means he could get in if somebody were to get hurt or whatnot. But I think that the, you know, the whole notion of rotational snaps is largely gone because the Ravens will play a lot of one and two receiver alignments, not not as much 11 personnel as other teams. You feel similar about that? I, see uh, I 100% agree. They'll, they'll play some 11, but with Isaiah Likely breaking out the way he has, Nick Boyle returning and actually looking pretty good. I think he's still knocking some rust off, but um, he's going to be involved. Patrick Ricard, you're just not going to see a ton of 11 personnel compared to other teams. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's most teams, it's over well over 50%. Some teams, it's, you know, 90% or whatever of what they do. But in, in the case of a Ravens team that plays a ton of 21 with Ricard, a ton of 12, I think we're going to see a lot of 13 this year. And, and a lot of that is because likely and Andrews are really receivers themselves. They're, they're flex guys uh, who you, who you, uh, you know, send out wide or, or, or the slot, either one. Um, but, but not necessarily guys who, uh, who play in line. Uh, I, I think we'll, we'll see quite a bit of um, not of, of limited limited opportunities. We'll just say for for uh, five receivers to get on the mm-hmm. field and really rotate and all get there. Yeah, and, and honestly, if we see a situation like that, it's probably not good for Baltimore. If they're bringing in five wide receivers, it yes. yeah, it's it's probably they're down a large deficit. Yeah, the only other time you really do it, you know, pretty regularly, and you still have a running back probably in this case, is you use a running back and two tight ends and two receivers. Mm-hmm. You might, might might see some eleven in that in that situation too. But you're right; it's it's when you're down, and if if the Ravens want to play the type of football that won them games in 19 and 20 when Lamar racked up just incredible win statistics and hold the lead statistics and. And first half win statistics, you know, you want you want to get out there, get the lead and let your defense totally take over this game. We've talked about this a number of times on this show, but the defense is completely built to look into the backfield in zone defense. And it should be extremely impressive and, and effective when they're ahead in games. Oh, I agree. I mean, the the addition of Marcus Williams um, getting Marcus Peters back adding Kyle Hamilton and and hopefully just better play from Marlon Humphrey and and Pepe Williams all all these guys should very much contribute to turnovers in a big way uh something that we didn't see a lot of last year so I, I'm very excited in like you're talking about zone versus man coverage when guys are looking at the quarterback and towards the ball you're just going to get more of those opportunities because they're going to see the ball coming yeah, I, it's a great point you make, and it's something that that I I just want to talk about briefly to, to just explain to people who may not be on the same page with this. But when you play, it doesn't have to be actually pressing the receiver, but if you play in the receiver's face, typically you're playing some sort of trail coverage in man, and what that means is you don't you're really watching the receiver for your clues, and if you look into the backfield, you very well might lose the receiver at that point. So you don't generally do it when the receiver in front of you, you get a chance to watch for the receiver's move. And you can still get beat at the top of the route, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, but but you have an opportunity to watch more of what the quarterback's doing for your clues in addition to the receiver. So it's a, uh, uh, you know, zone defense is going to be what um, a little bit older, slower, gambling defensive backs love to play. Uh, Marcus Peters, really a cover three zone corner, uh, even before he came here. Uh, you know, it's where he can help you most because he knows how to when to undercut a route, and he can read the quarterback and read the receiver and try and figure out, you know, when's my best chance to step in front of this. He's really special in the case that he can also know what the defense is planning on the play and incorporate that, saying, "Oh well, they're they're blitzing this game, so I got a good chance if it's an out route, I'll jump in front of it." <laughs> and that interception at Cincinnati, in particular, in 2020, uh, was a great undercut of of, of that type. So. Uh, been a lot of fun to, to to have him and watch him play. Oh, for sure. He's he's one of my favorites out there. Um, definitely brings you some of that Ed Reed, uh, gambler, ball yeah. hawk. He really is yeah. the next best guy after Ed. And I know you've talked about that a lot on your shows. Um, mm-hmm. So 
I'm looking forward to the defense improving and um, hopefully these wide receivers can can do their job. Another thing I wanted to mention about wideouts that I've just noticed over the past few off, off seasons, there are certain guys that in the offseason spend time with Lamar Jackson, they connect with him, and there are others that for whatever reason don't get the invite or just aren't going out of their way to be a part of it. And usually those guys that aren't involved getting that chemistry are kind of the the ones left out. And Devin DuVernay is one of those guys that I, I don't think has done a ton with Lamar. And Miles Boykin, you know, famously, I don't think he was very much involved. And as well, Tylen Wallace has not um, been there for a lot of these workouts. So I, I really would urge those guys, I'm, I doubt they're listening to this, but I, I would yeah. urge them to uh, get involved, get the invite, do as much as you can with QB1 so that you guys are on the same page if there's an injury or just for you to um, you know, get, get a higher role with the team. Uh, maybe you're the wide receiver four. You want to become the wide receiver three. Like, it's it's there for the taking. And, and these guys that aren't necessarily participating in the extra stuff, I feel like they're. I mean, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse, as John Harbaugh says. Yeah, particularly for those guys who maybe are schemed to be on the field, like a Wallace could mm-hmm. be, like a Boykin was for run plays anyway. Go go ahead and out there. I mean, you're if you're, you're going to be the X on a lot of rundowns and some of those plays. Uh, you know, might get changed to the line of scrimmage or they, or they may be options anyway, or there may be places where um, there are pass plays, even though you're showing this alignment and, and you the the, uh, the play gets extended and the primary target goes down. Once Lamar has a chance to gain trust with you, that's the best place to start on those kind of things. I, I love what I saw from Prochet, I think it was, uh, working with Lamar over this last summer mm-hmm. and he was wearing a helmet. While he's doing it, I'm saying that's a guy who's getting it. Um, that's it's it's not exactly positional coaching, but he's trying to get game uh, like vision impairment and whatnot to to uh, to make it a little bit more difficult for himself rather than just going out and playing you know yard ball like uh, right. you know, we always would have loved to run fly routes as kids. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, James Prochet is one of those guys that's really tight, um, and Bateman too. The, the the chemistry and friendship that those guys have developed is. Is going to be really good for the offense if both of them can stay healthy. Um, but yeah, um, do you have any more comments or concerns about the wide receivers yourself, Ken? Yeah, it's not. It's not like my concerns are none, and this is a concerns episode. It's just that I, I was so pleasantly surprised by Demarcus Robinson's performance that I'm in a kind of a new position about this. And it's you, you've. I think you've tempered my expectations by bringing up a player like Jacoby Jones. Now, Jacoby Jones is much more of a pure speed guy, uh, didn't have a whole repertoire of the route tree that he ran. He was much more of a, he can run the comeback or he can go deep. And But but he did have a little bit of ability to, to lose a uh, defensive back based on just that. Uh, I, I've just already seen more from Robinson in terms of losing somebody on out and go and then or out and up, if you want to call it that, and then losing somebody on a sluggo. Those are two different moves. And it was admittedly two crappy, you know, guys who are already <laughs> gone from the from the Washington roster. In fact, they were gone while I was working on the on the roster the next day. I've got the Washington roster. Well, the, the article, I'm sorry. I've got the Washington roster up. 
And I'm trying to find number 36 and number 37, who were the two guys who got beat by uh, Demarcus Robinson, and, and they aren't there anymore. <laughs> so I have to go looking for, you know, in the game book to find what their <laughs> names were. Uh, but anyway, that's uh, it, it, context is important. Uh, what what Demarcus Robinson uh, did was 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 problem. I guess the other problem I have is just, and this is probably my biggest concern, is that the guys, uh, three of the guys who may get are among the top five. Prochet, Duvernay, and Wallace all spent a significant amount of time hurt mm. this preseason. Now they didn't have any chance to play with to play with uh, Jackson during the games, but they did during the during uh, camp, and uh, most of them missed a lot of time uh, during that. So I, I am worried about that. Yeah, I mean that that has to be a huge concern. Uh, something that we hadn't touched on yet, but Prochet has been out. I think he just got back. Uh, but he he's been out the longest out of those wide receivers, and, and Duvernay certainly missed some time too. I don't know if it was over a week, but Prochet was out for significant amount of time, and and, and that hurts the chemistry, it hurts the the overall offense. When you're talking about um, eleven personnel, twelve personnel, like it's it's borderline. If Prochet is going to be there in twelve, but uh, you know he's fighting to be a critical part of this offense, and when <laughs> you know you can't make uh, the club if you're in the tub and obviously those guys made the club but it's it's just concerning last thing i'll ask about this is is the saints were really known as a team that used a rotate eligible receivers on a play-by-play basis in fact sometimes the saints were five in five out at eligible receiver position so that's any running backs tight ends or wide receivers they would bring them in and replace the entire group on a down-by-down basis earlier in the Drew Brees era. Is is this something that um, this Ravens offense looks like to you? Or do you think it'll be Bateman playing? Okay, I, maybe I'll just say outside of Bateman, that Bateman is a 88% of snaps guy or an 80% of snaps guy. But the, the rest of them, do you see a heavy rotational component to what they do? I think there's going to be a decent rotation for two to three of those guys. Um, and I think Andrews is still going to play a large portion and Bateman's going to play mm-hmm. a large portion. I could see Isaiah likely getting there, but he's just a rookie. Um, so I, I would expect Prochet, Duvernay, Wallace, and Robinson to rotate frequently. Uh, and, and the rest of those guys should be heavily involved on a, you know, a high snap count or percentage. Uh, Andrews is a guy that they have rested a fair amount mm-hmm. over the years. And I just, I want to bring this up because I don't think people generally get this. They understand how important Mark Andrews, the offense, how many targets he gets. But in 2018, when he had the best year as a yards per target in Ravens history, he played 35% of the snaps as a rookie. In 2019, when the Ravens offense was at its peak efficiency of all time and you know the fifth most efficient offense in the history of the game he played 44 percent of the snaps really still had a designated receiver role when he came in very high percentage of targets on the snaps and particularly the passing snaps that he played that increased to to 65 percent in 2020 and to 75 percent in 2021 so my question for you is would it be reasonable and would it be healthy and maybe that's two different answers for, for Andrews to play a lower percentage than, than 75% of snaps? Yes, certainly. I, I think he would, if he's going to lose some of those snaps or take those off because the other players can contribute, 
I think it's going to be between 2020 and 2021 levels. So between 65 and 75%. Uh, and you're in a good spot there. You know, like you were talking about before, the nine interceptions and the passer rating to Andrews, it, it's not great. Um, and when somebody is so highly targeted, it just makes me think back to Julio Jones and his prime days in Atlanta. Everyone mm-hmm. knew that Matt Ryan was going there with the ball. And a lot of times when there was an interception, it was going, it was Julio Jones. That was the target. So um, with Isaiah likely, you know, showing up huge in the preseason and Rashad Bateman hopefully exploding onto the scene, those numbers of interceptions uh, should go down when targeting Andrews and probably his snap count is going to be reduced. But hopefully his efficiency, as you're talking about, can improve a little bit from last year. Yeah, and, and I, I would agree. So few, fewer targets, probably fewer receptions, but, but a lot fewer targets is what I, what I would think. And then I, I would hope for a much increased passer rating throwing to him. Uh, this year from last year. And a lot of that happened in that Cleveland game when he, when mm. he threw four yeah. picks to him yeah. in, in one game. They still won, so that was good. Uh, Jake, always appreciate having you on the show. Great measured discussion about football whenever we do. Uh, again, he's at Real Jake Vogel, Vogel uh, on Twitter. Uh, Any place else you talk football or want to tell people where you are? I'm uh, very involved on Twitter, so definitely hit me up. You'll see me posting a lot and commenting. Um, I will be doing a podcast again this year, First and Goal Pod, with uh, Jay Andrews, uh, UPJ33 on Twitter, um, where we kind of talk about, you know, some certain prime matchups every week of the NFL season. And we'll give you the our predictive um, odds on the the over under. We, we'll pick the over or the under. We'll pick the the money line. You name it. Um, so we just talk a little bit about sports betting and kind of picking the games and what might be your best bet. Uh, so feel free to listen to that. And other than that, I talk a lot of um, Ravens football and some Georgia football as well. Okay. Well, very good. Uh, uh, great having you on. I did want to talk one gambling topic with you. Do you have any futures bets you like this year? I'm not a big fan of futures betting because of other concerns I have with it. But but uh, do you have any, any futures bets you like? Uh, I don't have anything right now. Um, okay. Yeah. One that was discussed on Twitter the other day was uh, likely at 99 to 1. I believe it's available at 100 to 1 online uh, uh, to be an offensive player of the year. Wow. Yeah, uh, I mean that would be a fun one to win, but I don't, I don't know that I could bet on that one. Mm-hmm. The, the, There's some. I, I will say uh, now that you're bringing it up, there, there are some intriguing futures bets for the NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year. Obviously, um, the front runner uh, is is the guy in Detroit from Michigan. Uh, what's Hutchinson, Hutchinson, Aiden Hutchinson, and you can still make money if if he wins that. It's like plus four hundred, plus four fifty. But it gets really intriguing when you get down to some of the defensive backs. Um, Sauce Gardner, I believe, uh, Derek Stingley, and then a really fun one. You know, from my personal preferences as a Georgia football fan, Nicobe Dean is a, a legitimate option. As, as a guy that could win the award as a linebacker, racking up some stats on that relatively loaded um, defense in Philadelphia. So 
he he would be one i think he's like plus 1400 or plus 12 somewhere in there um definitely an intriguing option that's not that's not the kind of exciting number I was looking for. I, when, when you when you mentioned Nicobe Dean, I'm kind of going through my head. Okay, twenty plus twenty seven hundred plus yeah. three thousand. What would I want? Kind of thing. How about Kyle Hamilton? Where is he? Kyle on? Hamilton is closer to the top. Um, I want to say plus eight plus somewhere between plus okay. eight and plus a thousand. Okay, I do kind of think he's a little bit of a sucker bet this year because he's not going to play mm-hmm. every snap, in my opinion. But he is a guy who, if he if he racks up a good interception total and turnover total in general with some forced fumbles and some recoveries yeah he could definitely be a, a a guy if there's it often does go to one dominant sack guy though and and uh and there are some some big pass rushers that came out in this last draft absolutely outstanding uh, thank you so much uh, for coming on other folks out there if you have a uh, film study short you'd like to do hit me up with uh, dm on twitter i'll get right back to you i promise and would love to have you on uh, jake thanks again for coming on thanks so much ken And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.